When I started my photo series, Women of My Generation, in January 2019, I reached out on Instagram looking for models to portray to show diversity. As I wanted to take photos of women in their underwear, I thought it would be mainly really confident people who wanted to take part. I realised quickly that I couldn't have been more wrong. Most of the women were struggling with their body image and did it to challenge themselves. Ace was one of the first women I took photos of and who very generously shared her relationship with her body. Today I meet her again to talk about eating disorders being projected upon daughters by older generations. This is something that I've realised is very common when I've continued my project. My trigger warning today is therefore eating disorders and toxic family relationships. However, we also talk about how photography helps us both process different feelings and experiences. My name is Fanny Beckman and this is Women of My Generation. You were actually um, one of the first women that I took photos of in my project, Women of My Generation, and you were very generous when you talked about your relationship to your body, mm-hmm. and um, that was actually over a year ago, it's mm-hmm. January 2019, and you mentioned that you were struggling with your body image and your mm-hmm. self-esteem, so I just want to start with by asking you how are you today in terms of your relationship to your body? Um, I am, I don't know if I'm better or worse, but I know that I'm different. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when it comes to my self-esteem and the connection I have to my body, mm-hmm. um, I view it in two separate things, or I try to simplify it a bit for myself. So on one side, I know that we live in this um, world where women's bodies are constantly criticized. Mm. And I know that that affects my brain and how I see what a body should be or should not be. Um, But there's this bigger side to it um, that I connect to more than the other. And that's, I feel like my emotions and my memories are in my body. Mm -hmm. So I think I talked to you about um liking other people's bodies but not my own even if they're quite similar yeah exactly um and i think that's because their bodies don't have um my bad memories or Mm. memories that i think are bad and i connect to certain parts or what has been said to it or trauma that has happened to it yeah so um when it comes to the outer world affecting how i look um, I'm actually quite good. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I'm good in the sense that I, f- I feel self-confident by disassociating from the fact that I am 
I feel or I feel not pretty. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to be pretty and I don't want to be beautiful. Mm. And I'd rather belong in my mind as something that's not beautiful because mm. I've just found that it takes a lot of pressure. Mm. So if I accept the fact that I'm not beautiful mm. to myself, then it's like a standard that I I can stop living up to in yeah. my mind. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of that beauty is from advertisement. Uh, A lot of it is from a world that is controlled by men and men's opinion of women. Mm. And by rejecting it, I feel more free. Mm. But then I'm also dealing with the other part, which is uh, trauma from the past, Mm. um, how I was raised Mm. um, to view my body and treat my body. And that's still, I feel like that's still in not my bones, but it's in my muscles yeah. still. Mm. Um, it's in my fat and it's in my skin. Mm. And um, a little under a month ago, I, I got sexually harassed. And, and it really shook, again, my relationship with my body. Yes, of course. Got totally uh, dissociated. Mm. Um, and, yeah, so because of that, mm. I've been having a difficult time. But it's just such a different time than I was having a year ago a year ago it was very much just like still working on some past mm. kind of getting through it yeah more disassociating with the beauty standard of the society so I felt mm. better about that but then the other thing happened and it's just it's like an explosion yeah did it like create new bad memories yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah exactly um it it's quite amazing how one person can cut you off from your own body mm. you know um you feel like re- you really feel like they take something away yeah um and you feel yeah it just felt disgusting and dirty and all like mm. all the signs that are talked about when you experience mm. someone invading you so much yeah yeah um but what do you do now to try to like take back your body yeah um so i've been very lucky um in my life i feel like because i found a very good therapist when i was 16 or 17 okay that's when i moved away from home Mm. um and i realized i had a lot of issues that i wanted to clear Mm. and i was with that therapist for 10 years Mm. and then I, i always if i go back home I book an appointment with her just to have like a checkup, like a routine okay. checkup. Mm. You know, like mm. we what what we do with our um, gynecologists and mm. you know doctors mm. and stuff. Mm. Um, and I always have her email. So when this happened, I emailed her straight away. Oh, okay. Um, and with her, I've been working on it. Um, I also have a very supportive boyfriend, mm. um, which has been such a blessing. Yeah. Um, I talk about it. Mm. And that's I. I'm a person who talks about every. I talk about everything. Yeah, yeah. I don't like taboos. No. Um, but it it is amazing how even for a person that likes to talk about mm. everything, mm. my vo- voice did get taken. Yeah. Away mm. and. Yeah, it's, it's it's been and it still is, something that I'm working on. Yeah. Um. It was so recently as well. Just yeah, a month. Yeah. yeah. It's um. I write a lot of down uh, things down in my diary and I keep a diary mm. and I kind of force myself to tell my friends about it. Yeah. And each time I do, 
I kind of have to relive the situation and also mm. events that occurred days afterwards and how it was all handled. And mm. I just don't want to push it down to the mm. point where, you know, if I experience this as a stain on my skin now, yeah. I I want to talk about it, point at it, and break this taboo I still have in myself that mm. I was like, my first reaction was like, I'm not going to tell anyone. Like, this okay. would be, mm. like, a secret. Mm. I don't want this to ever have happened. No, no. Um, but then you give them the power. Yeah. And you take the blame mm. in a weird way. Um, so instead of it being a stain that just lies there and starts seeking and seeping into my cells, mm. I'd rather talk about it and wash it and wash it yeah. um, mm. by talking about yeah. it. Because I was so amazed when we met... Um, mm doing like doing my shoot last year how open you were about mm. everything and it clearly helps you process your own yeah. experiences and also now you mentioned that you write diary mm-hmm. and that's another way to coping I mm-hmm. suppose uh, and then when we met last time you also mentioned that you I mean I've seen on your Instagram that mm-hmm. you use photography as well as a way yeah. of expressing yourself yeah um and is this something you still do yeah so I haven't taken um, any photos since um, the harassment, mm. um, but up to the point I was still taking photos and I will still take photos. Mm. Um, yeah, it definitely, definitely has. I started my project, uh, My Beautiful Friends, I think, mm. two years ago now. Okay. Um, the inspiration for that was basically um, I I grew up... Um, just adoring and worshipping my mom's body. Mm. I remember sitting on the uh, on the bathroom tiles and watching her do her makeup. Mm. She was always naked when she did her makeup, and I thought she had the most beautiful back and breasts mm. and neck. And I just aspired to be one day to go through puberty mm. and be so lucky to to um, inherit her body. Mm. And then I realized with time that she was in absolute war with her body and didn't mm. like it at all. No. So I thought, you know, when I realized that, I was like, oof. Like, if if perfection is hell mm. for her, yeah. then what am I striving to be? Mm. And then the pictures you have of female bodies that you want to be are, you know... you're. I think we're about the same age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so we had, like, the... Kate Moss generation mm, where exactly. it was yeah so mm. fashionable to be uh, like you just came from like a two-day binger mm. not having eaten for two months yeah and, mm. um it wasn't really anything that my body type could ever achieve yeah. without absolute destruction do you um, remember how old you were at that point when you start to realize that perfection yeah um I think I started realizing my mom's issue with her body probably when I was young, like six, seven. Oh, that's really young. Yeah. Mm. I have, I was blessed and cursed with a really vivid memory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I remember a lot of things and I do remember um, having that conflict of wanting to seek a female body mm. to worship in a way. I think yeah. it's very human to want to worship something and yeah. for females in a society that doesn't display especially at that time 
the display a lot of female power to worship. Mm. We do inherently look at our mothers. Yeah. Um, but what saved me um, mm. was there's this really big <coughs> swimming uh, culture in Iceland. Oh, and yeah. you don't really, you not, don't necessarily have to go swimming, but you sit in the hot tubs outside mm. in mm. the cold. Um, in the changing rooms, you're, you know, you take off all your clothes, you're naked around women and mm. you shower together in a big like showering hall or room and you see all those, you know, you see your future and your past and, yeah. you know, you mm. see the way your uh, boobs will sag and your mm. tummy will split and, mm. you know, and that really saved me. Yeah. Is that what inspired you to do this photography project yeah. as well? Too? Yeah, exactly. I just thought, you know, I I felt I feel comfort and solace in other female bodies because mm. I can so freely love them and appreciate them, mm. and it's a feeling that is you know that I long to have for my own body. Mm. Mm. So it's so nice to kind of rest in that feeling, yeah, yeah, and therefore rest in another person's body. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and yeah, like. Like we talked about earlier, you mentioned that um, even though you could see bodies that are similar to yours, yeah, you could really appreciate their appreciate their bodies, but mm-hmm. not your your yeah. own. Um, what are your thoughts around that? Um, is this something yeah. you're working against, or starting to appreciate yourself? Um, I do. I do appreciate my body. Hmm. Um, and I also don't. Mm. <laughs> it's um, I know it's easy to appreciate other bodies because I don't know what they've been through. And oh, yeah. I don't have the emotional connections mm. to them. Um, but I appreciate my body, for example, for I've gone through some sicknesses and mm. um, it it still prevails. It still lets me walk and breathe, yeah, and I yeah. appreciate it mm. for that. You see um, it as a tool. Yes, yeah. mm. um, and that has really helped to mm. see something as, you know, just uh, a beautiful tool that mm. allows you to do things. Yeah, yeah. I think um, when it comes to appreciating my body, for a long time I thought that it meant that I had to find my body this sexual perfection mm. of beauty that would always look good in every angle and... Mm would always look so attractive in every dress. Mm. But then again, that's the way society raises us to uh, define the beauty of our bodies. Mm. Um, And for me, that's a dead end. Mm. Because I won't ever think, and I don't want to think, Mm. that my body is this perfect sexual thing. Because I'd rather step away from that sexualization. Mm. Um, Not because I think sexualization is bad if we do it consciously to ourselves, with ourselves, and mm. to feel sexy is great and mm. I often feel very sexy but there's a deeper sense of rooted security that I'm looking for yeah. in my own body Mm-mm. and that's why I always go back to my memories yeah. that I feel are lying in there mm. um, distorting what should be so obvious which is my body is body is perfect. Yeah. It's safe. It's mm. the best place to be. Mm. That's so well said. And you know, 
again, going back to a year ago, you said so many wise things, and I remember yeah. going home <laughs> and like grab a notebook and start mm. writing things down. Just, I really want to remember it. Yeah. And now, before today, mm. I read through my notes, oh. and mm. I um, remembered that you said that your mum mm-hmm. taught you to hate your body, yeah. and her mum taught her to hate her yeah. body. Yeah. So... If you feel comfortable, mm-hmm. could you just explain a bit more about your situation with your mom? Yeah, of course. Um, my mom um, did her best with what she had. Mm. But with all due respect to both my parents, the best they could do was not good enough for me mm. or should not be good enough for any child. No. Um, it doesn't mean that my mom is a bad person. It means that it means that she has limitations mm. that cause pain. Mm. Um, her mom definitely um, was not a good mother to mm. her. Mm. And some of that, a lot of that pain um, was inherent. Mm. Which I think is, um, <clears throat> I think a lot of people can relate to. Yeah. Um, I think we're born with... Um, a lot of emotions mm. and we're born with naturally born with this ability to love deeply to hate to desire um but how we express that or look for it or define it we mm. learn from our parents yeah. or that's my belief um that was a very difficult learning situation at my mm. place because mm. the way my parents learned to love and love themselves I think was absolutely lost on them. Okay. Um, and also they were absolutely absorbed in like fitness diet culture. Mm. Um, everything was very, you know, restricted. Um, and I had like food diaries since I was six that I had to fill out <laughs> every day. Mm. Um, was it your mum who yeah. taught you to do it? Mm. And like I was weighed as well and I got like a smiley face or a sad face like... Really? Absolute madness. Because mm. when I've done this project, yeah. I realise how <clears throat> common it is that yeah. uh, parents project their own mm. eating disorders or problems in general yeah. to their daughters. Yeah. Um, but, so it's, in my experience, it feels like it's more uh, mums dieting themselves mm-hmm. or, or talking badly about their own bodies yeah. in front of their kids and that affects them. Because yeah. obviously... Um, I mean, daughters usually are quite similar to their mm-hmm. mothers, mm-hmm. so they would think, oh, if you think that you look bad, what yeah. do I look like yeah. then? Um, but in your situation, it was one step further because you yeah. were actually forced to... Take part. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. And how did that develop um, later? Um, so that was from the age of se- six, you said. Yeah. Yeah, and for how long did that go on? Um, I mean, uh, if... Uh, if it very much kept going until um, probably when I moved away from home when I was 16. Hmm. Um, there were a lot of issues in my family and, you know, I had to get away. So hmm. I did. Hmm. And then when I wasn't living there, I realized that it was so ingrained in me hmm. to treat myself the way they raised me to tr- mm. be treated yeah yeah that i was just doing it without mm. them even being there yeah. and that's when i realized that i needed 
therapy, that I needed mm. a therapist because mm. I never wanted to be like them. No. I never wanted to be treated like that again. Mm. Mm. But we accept the love we think we deserve. Yeah. So, you know, I went into relationships where I experienced weird love as well. And, oh, okay. You know, it, it, it keeps on going if you don't. For me, I think it keeps on going if you don't go back mm. and start start uprooting everything. Because mm. the first years are where you build your foundation. Yeah, it's also where you build like coping mechanisms. Mm. You know, mm. like something happens, a trauma happens. Yeah. What do you do? Like mm. your first instinct shouldn't be like I I I won't eat for three days. Mm. Um, I, you know, I won't eat sugar for a month and then mm. it'll be fine. Yeah. It's a very disorientated way of thinking. Yeah. And you're also, you know, instead of going into the emotions that you're mm. feeling, mm. Uh, you've been taught to relate it to food yeah. and the control of your body. Yeah. So it's very much that circle that I'm mm. still working with yeah. where my relationship with food is way better, like mm. to the point where I never thought I could ever feel towards food a lot of the time I just see it as fuel you Mm, know mm. just fueling a body that's Mm. uh, making me capable of doing things yeah and also it brings a lot of joy in your life so a lot of delicious food is is, yeah and you can eat together it's a social thing as well um but I think it's really good that you mentioned um you know stop eating sugar for a month yeah because I feel like eating disorders there's a stereotype of what it looks like it's like mm-hmm. oh you only have an eating disorder if you don't eat at all but then obviously yeah. there's binge eating or there's yeah. things that you know in this society the diet culture has mm-hmm. control over like oh yeah you shouldn't eat sugar for that mm-hmm. amount of time we shouldn't eat carbs or bread like there's mm-hmm. always something and that is a disordered eating if you don't do it for yourself mm-hmm. I mean obviously if you have an illness you can't eat certain things mm-hmm. that's a completely different thing yeah um, but again, raising awareness what a diet can look like. and uh, Yeah, I think, yeah, definitely. I think there, I have never, I think I've once or twice met a woman who has a healthy relationship with food. Mm, mm. Um, there's always this yeah. little rules mm. that you start noticing when you're hanging out with someone. Yeah, for sure. Um, where they're like, oh no, actually, it's too late for me to eat now, yeah. so I'll just eat tomorrow. Yeah, and like, yeah. What mm, mm. is that? You know. Yeah, and it's a lot about control when it mm-hmm. kind of takes over that you, oh no, I can't come along because I can't eat anything there. Yeah, or, and that's when you kind of notice that something is actually wrong yeah. here. Yeah. Um, but going back to your childhood, um, mm. did your parents cook for you? Did you ever eat together? Or? There wasn't a lot of um, family meals um we did sometimes you know Mm. but often if we did a big meal Mm. it was always talked about as like binging or cheating there was a lot of talk about cheating Mm -hmm. when it came to food Mm. um like it would somehow you know like the healthy food was your lover and Mm. you know the other thing was the forbidden fruit and created this very you know unhealthy view Mm. of some food being holy and other mm. food being dirty. Yeah, and like yeah. it's this black and white mm. view that something is either really good or really bad. Yeah. Which is that from you know both your parents. Or? I think it is from both my parents, yeah. Mm. Um but it's for me I listened always I spent more time with my mum. Oh, okay. Uh, my dad was worked a lot, so mm. 
I, I was really close with my mom as well. Mm. So it just became normal. Mm. And then I feel like I've spent all my 20s trying to unlearn things. And yeah. unlearning is um, more difficult than learning, I feel yeah, like. Because yeah. um, you're uprooting uh, your instincts mm. in a way. Yeah, for sure. Instead of feeling like you should trust them. Mm. You actually feel like, oh, I have this instinct to do this. And then mm. you're like, it could actually be your mental health. Yeah. It, you know. Yeah, but when did you realize that that... Something was so, wrong. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. obviously when you're a kid yeah. and you <clears throat> spend time with your family, you see that yeah. as normal. Did you talk to your friends or how did it... Mm, yeah, I, I had some lovely friends. I had also made a lot of friends with people that... Like, had eating disorders as well. Mm-hmm. And we're still friends today with one um, of my friends. And we laugh about it because mm. we bonded. The first time we bonded was because we talked about how little we had, like, eaten that day. Oh, really? Um, which is really sad and really sweet, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, because I remember you mentioned that you weren't really allowed to eat for a few days or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I was all, yeah, I was mad. Absolutely mad. How I was, did that happen, or what did they? Um, well, yeah, my mom made me fast for uh, ten days. Ten days. Yeah, um, which you know, it's only later in life that I tell people that, and people are like, "That's absolutely insane." Yeah. Um, I think slowly after moving away from home, and I was always raised to say that you can't talk about every, anything that happens at home. Okay. Mm. So I didn't speak about it until I moved away from home, and like. Mm. Often it was, like, an accident where, mm. like, someone was sharing something, something mad, like, oh, yeah, this happened to me once. And then I was like, yeah, you know, once, you know, you know I was didn't have food for 10 days to, like, clear cleanse my body. And they were like, what the fuck? Mm. Like, that's, mm. that's actually, like, child abuse, you know? Yeah, you cannot yeah, give yeah. your child food. You can't convince your child to mm. take part in your mad obsession with... Mm your body being holy or not unholy because yeah. it's being infiltrated with, you know, fucking sugar or fat mm, or whatever. Mm, mm. But how yeah. were you then? When I fasted, I think I was um, 10. Wow. Yeah, but I, like when I told my mm. friends first, I was just like, yeah, but I was 10. So mm. like, I wasn't young. And they were like, you're still a child. So young. <laughs> yeah. That's when you like grow the most, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, wow. it's mad. Um... Yeah, when you moved out of When I moved out. And also, like, I, I, again, I was so lucky to find a therapist that really straight away got me. Mm-hmm. I trusted her. So she kind of... I would say that she re-raised me mm-hmm. as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and with her, I could tell her everything. And she was a therapist, so she would be like, this is a disorder mm. that is unhealthy, that is very toxic. Yeah. So she's helped me see how toxic. And like the first three, four years in therapy were like hell, you mm. know. Because mm. I, I knew I would just go in there with like something that I felt was a lovely childhood memory. Mm. And she would be like, oh yeah, no, that's like, that should be against the law. That's very oh, really? like yeah. yeah like that that mm. is not okay no. no one should do that mm. no one should ever do that again mm. like mm. that is not okay yeah. and kind of yeah learning a bit through friends as well mm. i think my friends often were quite baffled by my stories but you know and at first when i talked about it it was 
I always cried, you know. Mm. Um, but and and now talking about it, now it's it's it is sad, mm. but it's also now it's more of a story. It's mm. not reoccurring in my body all okay. over again. Mm. You know, I don't trigger myself that that much by talking about it no. because. I've talked about it for 10 years now yeah, with yeah, people yeah. I trust. Mm. I've written about it. Mm. Um, and I feel, in that sense, I feel lucky. Mm. I feel like I'm very, uh, um, I feel like I'm a very lucky person. Yeah. Which is like, I think maybe weird to say compared to a, a shit childhood. But, you know, I I got through it. Mm. And, and you're still so, so young. Like, loads of people mm. can't really confront the feelings until they're, like, yeah. over 50 or, like, way That's, later. Yeah, I've always, I've always been quite... I don't want to say necessarily manic, but I could go into highs and lows. Mm. Um, not to the point of it being manic-depressive, but um, my emotions are a lot. Mm. If I try to repress stuff everything starts failing mm. even when it didn't the uh, first couple of days um and weeks after the harassment recently mm. if i had a day where i was just like i'm not going to talk about it i'm so sick of crying i'm so mm. sick of you know sick of being a victim i'm mm. sick of people p- pitying me mm-hmm. which is uh, like a faux pas of mine i don't want pity like yeah. there's nothing to pity mm. um but that, that again, is just like, it's hard being vulnerable. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and when I had those days where I'm like, I'm not going to talk about it today, mm. I would get, you know, a fever, a stomach ache. Uh, like, I would wow. start just shaking mm. a lot. Mm. Like, my body would shake. My nerve system would shake. Mm. I would just start spiraling. Yeah. So I think there was no other option. Like, I think if I wouldn't have talked about it and I wouldn't have gone to the therapist, I'd just mm. absolutely, you know... I'd be so unhappy right now. Yeah. Um, I'd be um, embellished in uh, very toxic relationships yeah. with friends and people and mm. lovers. And mm. I wouldn't be myself. Yeah. Because I wasn't always this calm. Mm. And I remember when I went to my therapist. Originally, I went to my therapist because I was like, Maybe I can go to the therapist and I will change to the point where I can have a relationship with my parents. Mm. And I remember this because I have I, like I've kept a diary since I was six, so mm. I've always documented everything. Mm. And I read it the other day, and I was like, I can't believe my original thought of therapy was not to help myself but to help my parents. Really? Yeah, because I was like, if I get help, they don't want to get help. So if I could help. Mm. I can become stronger, go mm. in there and save them and yeah. like make them be nice to themselves, mm. make them understand the hurt. They can say sorry and understand mm. their actions to me and they can <clears throat> we can develop a new way of of um communicating mm. and directing emotions. Yeah. Um do you have any relationship with them today? Um no. No. So no, I I can call them if I want to call them. Okay. Um, but sadly, I've never been as happy as I am now without them. Mm. Um, which is, you know, that's sad. It's mm. probably very sad for them. But it comes a time where you just have to prioritize your own mental health. Yeah. 
Have you um, ever talked about your issues with them? Oh yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. I don't think they're at a place to fully take it in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, yeah, I think I've often tried, and it's it's a little wall that I hit. Okay. So, yeah, I don't think that can go any further, and I've kind of given up um, of the thought of that going further. Because mm-hmm. there's only so much you can hope for someone else to change, right? Yeah. Mm. To the point where it just even the hope of someone changing starts to hurt. Mm. And hope is supposed to give you happiness, not yeah. pain. Yeah. So I think it's a good um, a little logic, you know, if your hope has started to cause you pain, it's mm. not hope, it's become an obsession, yeah. you know. That's so true. But speaking of what you said before as well, like that it was your grandma who taught your mum mm-hmm. to hate her body. Yeah. What can we do to kind of stop this horrible chain of it going into generations yeah. and generations? I don't know if you want kids yourself, but we will mm. at some point be surrounded by kids and yeah. younger people. Um, what can we do to stop it from happening to mm-hmm. them? Get professional help. Mm. Therapy. Mm. Talk about it. Mm. Um, if you have an eating disorder yourself. You yeah, know. if you have an eating disorder, if you think that you have any kind of trauma, if mm. you think that you're unsure about anything that comes to your own psyche, if you have the privilege, and it is a privilege, to seek professional help, do mm. it. Mm. Um, it's the only thing I can really recommend because that's what got me to where the point I am today. Yeah, I would absolutely be nothing without my therapist. No. Um, I think I I was always terrified of having kids, so I was not gonna have children, because mm. I just knew that I would fuck them up, mm. um, like my mom fucked me up. Mm. Um, but now I feel like, you know, I feel like I could do it now. Okay. Um, I feel like, you know, I have an amazing partner as well. It's very aware and very in tuned. Mm. I think we could do it. I don't I don't want a child, but the uh, the thought that I could actually have a child without mm. fucking it up is great. That's yeah, a great yeah, <laughs> feeling. Yeah. Um, I think, and something that's very hard to understand, especially, you know, knowing that I probably caused my mom a lot of pain by not speaking to her, I have to repeat to myself again and again that um, the greatest gift I can give my mother is to... Um, heal that inherent pain that Mm. she has Mm. that is greater than healing the relationship with her because at least I'm not passing the pain on Mm. it stays between us and then it ends in me Mm. and that is I think what we have to do you can't really do it by fixing anyone else you Mm. just have to have constant conversation Mm. with yourself Mm. and be up for the pain of mm. realizing that, you know, maybe some things are not okay. Mm. Maybe there's more pain in you than you thought. Yeah. Maybe there's more that has to come to the surface mm. and go through that pain. Yeah. Because on the other side, it, there's so much freedom. Mm. I wouldn't believe it. No. When I started uprooting my pain, mm. I never realized that I could ever be the person I am today. Mm. Um, I know that if... Me, you know, 10 years old um, fasting or 16 year old 
getting drunk to the point of going to the hospital with an ulcer and like absolutely Mm. a terror um Mm. if i would have looked at where i'm at today Mm. i i would be the woman that i would seek advice from myself and for me me, that's very comforting Mm. i'm still seeking advice and i still have such a long way to go Mm. but i am content and i am calm Mm. in this core in myself that i thought was permanently broken yeah and i think that is the key Mm. if it begins and ends with you Mm. when it comes to your responsibility of your pain Mm. And taking responsibility of your pain is the best thing you can do for everyone around, especially yourself. Yeah. And for your mom. Mm. And probably for her mom. Mm. That is so true. And again, <laughs> I'm like so overwhelmed by <laughs> your wisdom. Um, it's therapy. It's, that. It's, it's not mine, it's therapy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is like the conclusions you've had through therapy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we can just end with recommending therapy to everyone, <laughs> yeah. really. Because there's always something yeah. there to, to work on. And journal, mm. I think. Oh, writing journal. things down yeah. is... Yeah. It's great. Yeah. It gets it out of your mind. It stops repeating in the end. Yeah. Get it down. Yeah, get definitely. I agree with that. I, mm. I love journaling. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for being part of my Welcome. podcast. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>